The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. That's right. Bear down, Bears fans. It's time for another edition of the Chicago Bears podcast, Bears Banter Powered. By Windy City Gridiron and SB Nation, Bill Zimmerman with you, and we have got a hell of a podcast today. Not just because we are coming off a Chicago Bears victory against a very good San Francisco 49ers team, but because we have a living legend coming on this podcast today. Yes, Brian Erlocker will be on this podcast in just about 10 minutes. We are very excited to have Brian on. He's uh, going to be joining us on behalf of PXG Golf Equipment. Uh, so we'll, we'll talk a little PXG, but we'll talk about his career, the Hall of Fame, Roquan Smith, the Bears performance last week. We'll get into it all with Brian, maybe even splashing a little politics here because Brian and I don't see eye to eye. Maybe we can have a civil conversation there as well. So we'll we'll get into all of it here with, with Brian here in a little bit. But first, got to talk about this week one performance because... Look, you have to be thrilled if you're a Bears fan. And look, we, we're going to go over some of the, the issues that still existed here that were still visible with this Chicago Bears week one game. But you have to be thrilled. Look, the bottom line on these games is win ball games. There's only 17 of these. This is not baseball where you can lose a couple games early and nobody cares. Every one of these games is precious. Every one of these games matters. And the Chicago Bears, in a game where they were not favored, they were they were underdogs, touchdown basically underdogs. And I understand the weather played played a factor, and we'll we'll discuss that a little bit here. But a win is a win, and they beat a very good team, a team that a lot of people had picked to go to the Super Bowl. A lot of NFL experts thought the San Francisco 49ers team looked the NFC is definitely open this year. You know, the Tampa Bay Bucks. you know, Tom Brady, another year older, a lot of injuries along the offensive line. The Green Bay Packers don't have a wide receiver you've ever heard of. You know, there, there are two. The New Orleans Saints have a really good roster, but can you trust Jameis Winston to, to be the guy for 17 games and, and the playoffs? You know, the, the LA Rams, there's, you know, Super Bowl hangover potentially because they did not look sharp week one. There, there is there is an opening. The Dallas Cowboys did not look particularly good. The, the Eagles barely beat Detroit. So the, you know it is open in the in the NFC this year. So a lot of people looked at San Francisco even with Trey Lance as an inexperienced quarterback and said this team 
could go to the Super Bowl. And the Chicago Bears, and albeit home court, uh, home field advantage, but the Chicago Bears took them out in week one. And, and look, I watched that first half of that game, and I'm guessing a lot of you had that same feeling as well of, wow, this Chicago Bears team is bad. The offense could not move the ball. They looked terrible. And again, and I understand that absolutely conditions were playing a part here. But the Bears' offense looked anemic. The offensive line looked poor. A lot of the offensive linemen were losing their one-on-one battles. Justin Fields did not have a lot of time to throw, and the few occasions he did try, Justin Fields did not look particularly good. He did not look in rhythm. He did not, you know, drop back and and, and deliver the football in a timely manner. That was not happening. He was running for his life, took, took a, a bad sack. So Justin Fields did not look good. And defensively, they made... A couple nice plays. The the turnover, you know, in, deep in their own territory was a huge play on the defensive side of the football. But they did not look particularly sharp defensively as well in that first half. But what was incredible was seeing the turnaround in the second half. And did the game turn on the scramble drill? It it might have. And that that scramble drill was an you know it was it was great to see because we talked about it all the time. Whether you you like Nagy or hated Nagy. There, there was puzzling how awful they looked on scramble drills. And when you have a mobile quarterback like Mitch Trubisky, and you're not going to confuse Mitch with Justin Fields in terms of their athleticism, but Mitch can move around back there, and, and you'd see the wide receivers stand around. Like, how were how they not practicing scramble drills? How is that not a part of what you do, especially coming from the Kansas City, you know, Matt Nagy came from Kansas City where Alex Smith was a mobile quarterback. Patrick Mahomes, who we worked with his last year there, you know, is a mobile quarterback. These guys can move around. So, and Andy Reid knows what he's doing offensively. So how Matt Nagy did not even think about having the scramble drill in place there. But you saw the scramble drill effective with Justin Fields. He moved around, made an incredible throw all the way back across the field, blown coverage. Dante Pettis finds a nice wide open pocket, sits there, gets the football and scampers to the end zone. That was great to see. And the one thing I will say in support of Justin Fields about his poor uh, first half performance is that interception. That interception, when you just watch it on television, looks really bad. You know, he threw it into a mess of coverage and, and, and it was easily picked off. If you watch it on the All-22 and get a chance to see what Fields saw, and again, does Fields need to be better than this? Absolutely he does. But I don't think it was quite as bad as it looked on television because the defensive back did an incredible job stacking behind the linebacker, and he would have been really hidden from Justin's view there. Justin, you know, he was actually showing blitz. He was, he was at the line of scrimmage, dropped back, hid directly behind the linebacker, and then floated over to make the interception. It was a really good play by the defense. And, and like I said, does Fields need to be aware of it? Yes, absolutely, Fields needs to be aware of it. But it, on television, when you watch it, it just looked like he threw it in like triple or quadruple coverage. It just looked like a really awful decision. But when you watch the All-22 and watch it from Justin Fields' perspective from the, the behind the line of scrimmage camera, you can kind of sit there and, and see that it was, you know, it was it was a well-covered play by the San Francisco 49ers, and, and they did a good job against Justin Fields there. So it doesn't look quite as bad as, as it did on television, but again, still a play that Justin Fields needs to learn not to make. But but again, that scramble drill was, was great. They started moving the ball in, in the second half much better. Khalil Herbert looked great on outside zone. 
uh, really had a, a burst there. It was great to see. And, and I'll tell you what, uh, on the second touchdown that, that fields through the ESB touchdown, that was a great play design, a great play design. I mean, if, if you go and, and look at the play and again, look at the all 22 from uh, behind the line of scrimmage. I mean, he had three options. I mean, that was a wonderful play by Getze and, and Fields delivered a, a great ball to Brown. And, and look, that, that was a great play. And again, again, he had two other receivers that were going to be open. Would they have resulted in touchdowns? Maybe not necessarily, but they were all going to be, be uh, uh, positive plays. So the fact that he knew where to deliver the ball and, and there was a great play by Fields, great play design, great call by Getze. And I think overall... I think Getze had some growing pains in the first half in terms of play calling, but I think overall Getze had a really nice performance. Again, we're not gonna we're not gonna look at everything here in just one one week and, and anoint Luke Getze as a great offensive coordinator and a great play caller. Because again, remember Getze has not called plays, so this is this is definitely new. Uh, for Getze here, but the way how Nathaniel Hackett's decisions that were made last week, maybe Getze was making more decisions than we realize in Green Bay. We know how much Aaron Rodgers said he loved him. So, you know, this is um, this was a great first game on a lot of levels. It was something for Justin Fields to build on. It was a win. The, the defense and the offense, they played hard for Matt Eberflus, which was great to see. And, and look, the one thing that I will say about you know the 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 discipline and all that that Flus has been uh, preaching and has been pushing in practice. This team, there was a huge swing in this game on penalties. The San Francisco 49ers, who everyone says is a well-coached team, and I'm certainly not one who's going to argue that point. They they had penalties. I mean, they had the, the they kept a couple Bears plays alive on on bad hits. You know a hit on Justin Fields, a face mask penalty. They played sloppy in a lot of ways, and the Chicago Bears did not. They played a disciplined game of football. I don't think the offense had any penalties against them at all. Uh, just a couple penalties on the defense. And look, when you're not giving away yards, when, you, when you're not, you know, you, you make a great stop on third and seven, and then you give up a five-yard holding penalty for an automatic first down or a late hit, something like that, and keep drives alive for the opponents, that's crushing. And the Bears did do that a decent amount under Matt Nagy and, and, and the last, you know, even, even under John Fox before that a little bit, if memory serves. But with this, this defense and this offense in week one, they played a disciplined game of football. And it, it was really good to see. So, look, when, when we look at the, you know, we talked about a lot of the positives here, and there's plenty of positives to take away from a win. But, look, there are, there are still definitely some concerns the offensive line is still a question mark. Uh, they played much better in the second half, but they did not play well in the first half on multiple levels. Cody Whitehair really didn't jump off the page to me at all. Uh, I think the game has passed Cody by. I mean, look, he's still a serviceable guard, but he is not the borderline Pro Bowl player that he was a few years ago that got that big extension. Uh, this is most likely Cody's last year on the team because he is certainly not at the skill level, in my opinion, that his his contract is, is is worth right now. So I think that's something to keep an eye on. You know, Lucas Patrick and Tevin Jenkins rotating at, at right guard. Me personally, I hate rotations. I don't think it ever really gets the offensive lineman really in a rhythm. But Patrick played pretty well there. And, and I thought Jenkins played pretty well. Jenkins had some big blocks and moved some people. And he is that molar 
that I think a lot of us expected him to be last year when the Bears drafted him. So he he definitely showed some potential there, but there there were some issues on the outside with at, at the tackle spots early. Now I thought both Jones and Borum played much better in the second half. Borum Borum played really well I th- I thought in the second half. But um but yeah, that offensive line I thought was spotty. They, you know, do you want to blame David Montgomery for not being a scheme fit and maybe being a step slow? Or do you want to blame the offensive line when David Montgomery had opportunities? There were not really any opportunities for him to gain yards. Khalil Herbert did take advantage of his spots, but the whether you want to blame the offensive line, Montgomery, or both, uh, it, the offensive line definitely was not moving the ball, move, moving the defenders for, for David Montgomery for, for running the football here. Defensively, Again, I think, again, the defense played well, right? Dominique Robinson really flashed. That was amazing to see a fifth-round rookie have that kind of an impact right out of the gate. Uh, that, that that was awesome. You know, Brisker made some plays. Gordon made some plays. Eddie Jackson, nice interception, and Eddie Jackson kind of doing his thing and, and hopefully him rebounding and, and really kind of grabbing the mantle again as one of the top, you know, maybe five, six safeties out there in the league that he hasn't been, you know, as much as, even if you're an Eddie Jackson supporter, you can't sit there and say he's a top five, you know, safety the way he's played the last couple of years. But again, this defense really is an opportunity for him and he looked good in his first game. And it was great to see him get a turnover again. We know that's been a struggle for Eddie the last couple of years. But the one thing that you do have to keep in mind here is they were going against Trey Lance, who's very inexperienced, and Trey Lance did miss a couple receivers on a couple occasions. There were a couple plays there that Trey Lance left on the field that that he had open guys and didn't hit them. I think that's one thing you have to keep in mind, and you also have to keep in mind that the San Francisco 49ers, and we talked about this in the offseason, that the Chicago Bears may not be able to stop the run very well, and that's one thing that I don't think a lot of people have really discussed is how well the San Francisco 49ers, and again, I know the San Francisco 49ers run the ball well on everybody. That's what the San Francisco 49ers do, right? They are great at running the football, but they ran the football very well against the Chicago Bears. And I don't think that's something that a lot of people have really discussed at this point uh, you know, this week, because again, they're talking about the win and they should absolutely talk about the win and they talk about the positives of that win. But the fact is, is that the Chicago Bears cannot give up that kind of ground performance on a regular basis. And, and if you want to know what I'm talking about, the 49ers ran the ball 37 times and the Chicago Bears ran the ball 37 times for that matter. The Bears gained 99 yards. The San Francisco 49ers gained 176 yards, almost five yards a clip on 37 attempts. That is really bad. And you cannot have that. And there is definitely something to be said that, you know, when when the 49ers needed to score some points at the end of the game, the heavens opened up and there was nothing that anyone was going to do when, when it was pouring that hard there in the, in the fourth quarter. So, you know, there was, did both teams have to play in the slop? Yep, both teams had to play in the slop. So this is not taking anything away from the Chicago Bears. They won the slop fest and fantastic. They're 1-0 on the season. But defensively, they did get a benefit of that a little bit, that when the 49ers needed to open it up in the fourth quarter, there was no way they were able to do so because of the conditions and the fact 
that the 49ers did run the ball. It didn't matter that Eli Mitchell went out early. They ran the ball very well against the Bears, and that's something that that defense is going to have to clean up down the line because you cannot give up five yards of carry and, and, and stop, stop an offense, you know, especially in better conditions. So, you know, with, with uh, Jones and Dylan here with Green Bay, I know Green Bay is going to have a lot of offensive linemen out, which is obviously going to help the Chicago Bears. But they've got a couple solid running backs. And when you've got a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, the defense, and I know this sounds crazy because they gave up 10 points and they played well as a unit. You absolutely have to say they played well as a unit. But if they're going to stop the likes of Green Bay in much better conditions, they need to play better. I know. Is that unfair to say? Maybe. But they need to play better than they did against San Francisco. And I do think, I do think that the conditions aided them in the second half a little bit once that Justin Fields made a couple big plays and the offense and the Bears took control of that game. The, the conditions did help the Bears a little bit there. So they need to be better. I think they will be better. But again, will that defensive front Again, they got pressure. That was great to see how much pressure they were able to get on, on Trey Lance. So keep that up. That needs to continue because they did not have to bring blitzing. They were able to bring that pressure with just four guys. And if you can continue that, that is going to help the secondary tremendously because you still have the likes of Kendall Vildor out there getting 75% of the snaps. And we know how flawed he is as a defender. So you need to bring pressure or guys like Vildor or are going to leave receivers open but they got to stop the run game so get a little sharper let's get a full game from the offensive line against green bay let's get a, a little bit better against the run defensively and let's see what they can do in lambo but i've babbled enough let's get to our featured guest it's brian Erlacher. he joins us next this is bears banter bill zimmerman we'll be right back all right welcome back into the podcast i am very excited for this next guest we have had Mike Singletary and Dick Buckus on this podcast. So if we're going to complete the trio of living legend Chicago Bears linebackers, you can't do it without Brian Urlacher, and he joins us now. Brian, Bill Zimmerman, how are you? Doing good. Thanks for having me on. You've got some pretty solid guys on here. Yeah, this is we, we've done Those a good two. job establishing this podcast. We've, we've, we've yeah. gotten lucky a few times. So uh, not as lucky as having you on, though, and we appreciate <laughs> yeah. you you're jumping on with us, PXG golf clubs we'll, we'll we'll get to that here you, yep. you're doing a lot with them doing a I, I was watching earlier a funny thing with mm -hmm. rob riggle um but before i get into that i want to talk about that living legend thing because you know I, i'm old enough to remember when your career first started i was i was following the bears i was far, far old you know old enough and you went from safety and, and they had you at outside linebacker right away yeah. and then they moved you to middle linebacker how quickly in your rookie year did they move you to middle it was just a couple games in wasn't it yeah so i started sam uh during training camp and otas i stunk man i was so bad i just i wasn't a, a i was in the box like you know caged up on the tight end i didn't like it wasn't comfortable week two barry mentor gets hurt versus tampa down there in tampa in the second quarter he hurts his back and Coach Bloss tells me to go play Mike. And I was like, what? I haven't, I haven't taken a snap at Mike in training camp, nothing. But he goes, just run the football, we'll figure it out. So I, I went in, and then I you know, started every game since. Yeah, and, and and that was the thing is, like, you you were so natural at it and so good at it right away. Like, the the, the media immediately – I mean, you're, you're, you're three, four games into your rookie year, and you, you're hearing Mike Singletary yeah. and all that right away. Was, was there a, a lot of added pressure that you were basically anointed immediately? It wasn't pressure, honestly. It was just – it was kind of unfair to them. 
you know, I'm, I'm a, a little snot-nosed rookie playing, you know, my fifth game. And and you got the media talking about, oh, you know, Buckus did this, Singletary did that, you did this. I'm like, yeah, th- those guys are in the Hall of Fame. Um, I'm going to – um, we're, let's just wait and see. It's, you know, back then I didn't say that, but let's just see how I, I pan out. But, yeah, it was nice, obviously, to be compared to them because two of the greatest of all time, and they played on our team. Yeah, and and look, and you 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 lived up to the the, the comparisons, Hall of Famer, first ballot at that. I want I want to ask you about that really quick because I, I think it was Deion Sanders a couple weeks ago mentioned that he thinks there should be a distinction between first ballot guys and the rest of the Hall of Famers. He thinks it's extra special in that regard. You know, you you were a guy. I know. Look, I know the voting system can be kind of weird we're seeing Devin Hester go through that right now yeah. but, but you were able to be first ballot some people were saying well we can't put Brian Urlacher and Ray Lewis in at the same time that made no sense to me but, yeah. but kind of what, what's your stance on kind of the Hall of Fame voting and that first ballot distinction so I just don't understand how you say you can't put two guys at the same position in at the same year it makes no sense to me if there's two quarterbacks so say Tom Brady and Peyton uh retired the same year, you're not gonna put them both in you know, or Randy Moss and Jay Rice. It's just, it doesn't make sense to me that you can't put two guys in the same position. It makes zero sense to me. If you're deserving to be in the Hall of Fame, then put you in the Hall of Fame. Um, you know, um, DeMarcus Ware did not get in last year. DeMarcus Ware is, I think, top 10 in, in the league history in sacks, has a Super Bowl. You know, he's done deep. I don't know if he's defensive player of the year, but has definitely has the stats and the career numbers to be in the Hall of Fame. And, and he on first ballot, in my opinion, as well. And he, and he wasn't inducted. And the reason being was they say, well, we have some, some other guys we need to get in who are going to be off the ballot next year. No, if you're good enough to get in, you, you get in on the ballot that you're on. You, and if you don't get in, then you go, then you have other chances to get in later. But I just, the process to me, I mean, it worked out great for me, obviously, because I got in on the first try and I'm glad I did. But there are, Terrell Owens goes, goes in on the third ballot. He's the yeah, first ballot guy. You know, and, and the media, the reason being is the media holds grudges. I think we all, we all know that. They're mad because the way he treated some of them possibly or the way they perceived him as a teammate. But you're going in based on what you did on the field. Unless yeah. you did something really stupid off the field that's going to hinder that. You know, you're going in based on what you did on the field and your career stats. So, so vote on that. Absolutely. But before we get off the Hall of Fame thing, I, I think – I think based on kind of how it's worked for Hesser, he's going to get in. I don't know Look if it's year or next year, but again, p- playing the politics game here is silly. But uh, of your other teammates, is there anyone else that maybe isn't getting consideration, maybe a peanut Tillman that 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 should be getting more consideration yeah. for the Hall of Fame? So for, I'll start with Olin. Olin Cruz should be a Hall of Famer. You know, uh, Kevin Mawai went in, I think, two, uh, Kevin Mawai was a great player. Kevin Mawai went in two or three years ago, or maybe last or two years, I'm not sure, but he deserved to be in there. And in my opinion, Olin is in the same category as Kevin, if not better. Just he was my teammate. So I'm, of course I'm going to give him the nudge. Olin was unreal. You know, great leader, great player, you know, eight or nine pro bowls, all, all pros. Everything. His stats are there too. I don't understand why he doesn't get the love, but you look at peanuts numbers. He's, he's in the whole thing. Cost fumbles, picks, touchdowns, uh, all the big number, you know, uh, the reason I guess pro bowls are a big deal. Then for some reason, uh, the things that the fans vote on are a big thing to the uh, hall of fame voters, I guess I'm not sure, but I think he only had two pro bowls. Who cares about pro bowls? You know, that it, the thing that you should worry about, they all pros and how you were perceived around the NFL and, and, and the end, your numbers and peanut changed the, the way the game was played at corner with the peanut punch. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. Hey, look, we, oh. we, saw, we saw the peanut punch uh, over the weekend with, with Jalen Johnson. I mean, that's, it's, everyone it, does it. You, you, they're, it's, everyone's mindful of it now, right? You see these DBs thinking about getting the ball. Also, Peppers should be a first ballot guy as well. He was a teammate for, for two or three years. Pe- Julius should be a first ballot Hall of Famer. 
Absolutely. All right. Well, before we get into some more bear stuff, let's talk about you being a teammate with PXG, uh, golf equipment. You know, it's sold all over the world. It's used by PGA and LPGA professionals. Um, You know, what's your partnership been like with PXG and why, what is it about the equipment that, that makes you, you know, that that you want to use that on the golf course? Cause I know you're yeah, I love golf. Number one, I want to use the best equipment available to me. And PXG is that, you know, they, they, when I started playing PXG six years ago, my game changed. Um, this, I don't always hit the ball in the middle of the club like you're supposed to. There's a small sweet spot on those clubs, and I normally don't hit it there because I'm not that good. But this, the forgiveness of the irons is amazing. You know, I still I may miss hit it and still it may lose five to seven yards, and it doesn't go offline very much. But they changed my golf game uh, right when I started playing them. But, and Mr. Parsons is a great man. Uh, he's a philanthropist. He gives a ton of money away every year to charities, to the military. Uh, just a good man. Uh, he started PXG, I think, I want to say six or seven years ago, and it's just taken off. You know, you got lots of PGA Tour guys playing it. Amateurs, it increases their – it actually takes their handicap down immediately just with the, the, the clubs, switching other clubs. They're, they're great, and they're good people over there. But I, I'm very lucky to be uh, one of their partners and, and be involved with their stuff. And, and for those of you who, who are in the golf yourself, probably in the Chicagoland area, there's retail locations in Northbrook and Oak Brook Terrace. So if you're looking to get some PXG equipment, you can run out today and, and get some. And, um, you know, if, if, if you're in a, you know, golf and having some fun, you should check out playing around with Rob Riggle. It's PXG yeah. YouTube, uh, you know, series. And, and Brian's on episode three. It's him and Jay Feely. I was, I was watching it earlier today. Yeah. It's, uh, it's fun. You know, and I know Rob does a lot of that kind of stuff. You know, a lot of those shorts and comedic things. What was it like being out there with Rob on the golf course? So I've known Rob for five or six years now. He's great. We, we, all, we always have a good time. He's a, so he's a KU guy. My daughter goes to KU right now. So we got a connection right there. Um, and he's a huge military guy. So Rob was a Marine. Uh, now, I think he's a reserve Marine now. But so Mr. Parsons was a Marine as well. So there's a connection there with Bob and Rob when it comes to that. But um, he does great things uh, away from his acting and all that stuff. He does a lot of good stuff for the military, uh, a lot of uh, just um, charity stuff. He's, he's just a good dude, and he's obviously funny. So I, we, we had a good time in those those nine holes we played. We had a really good time. Now, um, you accomplished a lot as an athlete, Hall of Fame, Super Bowl, you know, uh, countless Pro Bowls and all, all your accolades. Yeah. But, you know, you mentioned on something in that in that short, and I guarantee you, you remember every detail because it doesn't matter how much an athlete has done. Their holes in one, they always remember. And you said you got a hole in one on a par four? On a par four, yeah. A was... Happy Gilmore thing here. All right, let's, let's hear it. Let's hear the details. So we have a, a hole at Seville, my, one of my home courses out here. It's a number 16 to about 297 yards to the front. It's a short by four, but there's water all down the right. So if you hit it right, you're in the water. So I hit driver. Um, I've hit it on the green before there. I mean, I've had some eagle plus, whatever, but th- th- that day I hit it a little bit left and it was, I hit a cut. I'm a big cut, a push cut slice fade because my, my ball flight, everything falls to the right. So I hit a little bit left and it hit on the backside of one of the bunkers we have. And it just kept rolling towards the green. And it was, I was only with two of my buddies that day. We were playing threesome and, uh, it looked like it was behind the flag because I've had the whole balls where I thought went the hole before and you get up there, it's behind the flag, but I saw it disappear. So I was like, oh, I went behind the flag. I'm going to have an eagle putt though. And we get up there and we didn't see the ball. I was like, there's no way this went in. And I go check the cup and it was in the hole. I and mean, I just, you know, you don't expect it to ever make a hole one, a part four or a part three for that matter. Uh, but it was a pretty freaking cool experience that they had. A, I'm a PXT driver, by the way, uh, but to knock it in on the part four was pretty darn cool. 
Yeah, there you go. PX Street Driver again available. That's right. <laughs> North Brook and Oak Brook Terrace. Uh, speaking of aces, uh, the, the Bears have another one in, in, uh, at linebacker with Roquan Smith. Uh, you know, there was some talk of, you know, a lot of talk off season with his contract extension. Things didn't get done. He's playing mm-hmm. on it. I know the Bears can play with the franchise tag the year after that. You know, what do you think of Roquan as a player? And if Roquan wanted to be the highest paid linebacker in the NFL, does, does he deserve that kind of catch? So I haven't seen him play a ton. We don't get a lot of Bears games down here. I'm not searching around to find their games. So um, I haven't seen him play a ton. But when I have watched him play, he's a good football player. He gets to the football. He understands the scheme. And I think this new defense with, with Coach Eberflus is perfect for him to play the will. You know, that's what Lance played in our, in our scheme. Uh, it's I won't say faster guy, but, you know, he'll just have more opportunities to make plays at the will position in that defense because they, if they get a good pass rush, he's going to be the guy breaking on the football, the cover two check down guy, just the guy that's normally around the football a bunch. So I think he is, he's, a, in my opinion, the best player on their team. You know, offense, defense, whatever. He's the best player on that football team. I don't know the salaries of the guys um, at his position, so I can't say he should be the highest paid guy. He's a top five, six linebacker in the, in the NFL. I, I do believe that there are some there's some really good linebackers in the NFL right now. He's a uh, he's he's in that category. You know, there's there's five or six guys that you can put in that category, and he's up there with them. Well, and, and you know, you're talking about about the defense and, and the scheme, and and I think you can make a lot of correlation between what they're doing now and what what Lovey's defenses and everything was was doing with you yep. guys. So. You know, when, when, when you look at, at kind of Matt Eberflus and, and what he could potentially bring, I mean, Rod Marinelli is, is they've kind of talked about the connection mm-hmm. there. He's kind of a mentor there. You, you played with Rod. What, how do you think Matt's going to do, um, you know, bringing that, that Marinelli mindset and the loafs and everything? How do you, how do you think he's going to do in Chicago? They played hard week one. I was in Chicago I, uh, last weekend for the game. I didn't go to the game. I saw it on TV, but they played hard. You know, I think that's the number one thing people don't realize with a, with a Lovey Smith, Rod Marinelli, Bob Babbage coach defense. You're going to get to the football or you're not going to play, you know, and, and it's just simple math. If you get more guys around the football, when those footballs do come loose, you're going to get more of them. You know, the, more, the tip balls, the uh, the fumbles that are on the ground. If you have more guys around the football, you're going to recover those footballs. Um, but they played hard, man. You know, they got to the quarterback. They, they put pressure on the kid, uh, on the, the young guy for, for San Fran. And they made plays when they had to. The second half, they played great, you know, uh, defensively, especially, but they, they just, They've made enough plays to win the game. I think defensively, they're going to keep, keep themselves in a bunch of games this year. And it's funny because you look at that defense, and besides Roquan and Eddie Jackson and, and Robert Quinn, there's not a lot of guys that I'm familiar with on that defense. Yeah, I mean, look, it's, there's, a, there's a lot of new faces up, up and down yeah. the board, kind of, kind of like you mentioned. And, and I think a lot of you know, media members, local and national, kind of looked at that Bears roster, myself included. I had, I had criticisms. I, I had concerns about, about what they were able to do. Yeah. But I think – how that defense played as a unit. And I think we, we talk about it all the time as defenses. You could have, you know, one or two incredible individuals, but if you have eight or nine guys lagging behind the defensive unit, it's going to be bad. That it's really good. needs to be a whole. And they, they really did play well as a whole and had some surprises like the, the rookie, uh, Dominique Robinson. I mean, yeah, fantastic played well. Had. Yes. You know, yeah, I think defensively your unit has to be cohesive. You have to play because you're relying on everyone else to do their job so you can do yours. You know, the corners, obviously, when they're in man, need to play man coverage. But for the most part, you're, the, the back end's relying on the front to get pressure. You know, so the ball comes out fast. Linebackers are relying, relying on them to get their gaps so they can get their gaps. So you have to be cohesive. And they, they played together uh, that, that first week. It was pretty impressive to watch what they did to that offense. That's a good offense. You know, Coach Shanahan does a good job with moving the ball and, and all the misdirection things they do. It's, it's tough to defend. 
Yeah, a- absolutely. And they, they did a heck of a job. 10, 10 points. I don't care what kind of the yeah. condition are you allowed 10 yeah, points. Yeah, I, I agree. Points. Yep, same here. Yeah, absolutely. So got, I have to ask you, you know, it's, it's almost the obligatory question. You get get someone on from the Chicago Bears. You got to ask about Justin Fields and and, and how you think he, he's developing. I mean, look, the, the first half was rough for everyone on the offense, Justin Fields included. Yeah. But second half, you know, they made some adjustments, you know, a couple big plays that really kind of changed the momentum, the scramble drill, which, you know, resulted in some blown coverage. Now, where, where are you with Justin Fields? Do you think this guy has the potential to, to be the guy for the Bears for the next 10 I, I hope he is. Obviously, you know, you, you you know, draft a guy where they drafted him and they've missed on players in the past and those positions. So athletically, man, the dude's, the dude's gifted. You know, you see him run around at that position and do the things he does. I just worry about him taking hits. You know, like you do with any young quarterback or any quarterback, period. You worry about the hits they take when they scramble. But, man, he made, he made some good decisions with the football late in the game there. Um, I, I just think they got to keep him upright. If you can protect him and run the football – He's got the he's got the skills to be good for a long time with that position. You know he's a he's dynamic in what he can do, and it's hard as a defensive player to prepare for a guy like that because when he does scramble, it's it's so much easier for the offense because they know where they're going. You know that they they can break and that they work on the scramble drill. So when he does play breaks down, he's definitely got the advantage uh, in in his back pocket there. Yeah, no, he's he look. It's it's one of those things that for me when I, when I watch him, and obviously I'm not, I'm not an expert. I don't know football like like me. You. I'm not an expert either. I'm not <laughs> an expert, far from it. Uh, but um, you know, he he's always going to have that ability to make those those incredible plays, but because he's such an athlete and got such an incredible arm. But you know, what, what, what you need to start seeing, I think we really started seeing that in the second half, and we saw it towards the tail end of last year, is him stacking plays to put together drives. I think I think that was lacking early. Maybe you want to talk about the scheme and some of the things that we're doing last year. That, that didn't do him any favors, but um, you know, I, I'm, I I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a blame the scheme or blame the coach guy. Honestly, that, that's not my thing. Is to blame. Oh, the scheme wasn't good for him. The coaches are going to try and put the players in the best positions they can to succeed. And people can blame Nagy. They can blame whoever they want to. Players need to make plays. I, I'm not on board with the. Oh, the coaches didn't put him in position. I'm not. I'm not that guy. You know, uh, there's a scheme. Quarterback needs to adjust to it, or the or, or whatever. And that's the way it's going to be. I do like his ability to scramble, man. He, he, it's a you know, the, the plays, they're going to get some extra first downs because of his ability to scramble and, and, and get those first downs. It's amazing watching him back there do what he does. It's, I mean, he's just smooth, too. You know, when he runs, it's not like he's all over the place. He's smooth. Uh, I have to ask you this because, you know, you know, obviously don't get a chance to talk to you very often. The In terms of your, your accomplishments, individual uh, on the field, um, if you want to consider it as a, as a team accomplishment as well, that's, that's fine. But, um, in terms of the regular season, I don't want to get in the playoffs and obviously beating the saints, making the super bowl. That, that yeah. I'm sure goes in a different category, but is that, is that Cardinals game? The, we, the, they are who we thought we were game. Is, is that your best game regular season performance of your career? Do you think? No, you know, I had the most tackles in that game. I think I had 24, 25 tackles at the, the f- cost fumble. And, uh, but no, it's, it, it, so I, I like the big place. You know, you look at my my second year in Atlanta. We played the Falcons down there. I had a um, a pick, a sack, a cause fumble, a recovered fumble, and a touchdown. I may, I may have had two sacks actually, and I had like three or four tackles for losses. I, I like the big place. You know, the tackles we're supposed to do as linebackers. That's that's our job. You're supposed to make tackles when you get the opportunity, which I had a lot of opportunities that game, so I made a lot of plays. But I like the big plays in the, uh, the Atlanta the next year. I think I had two and a half sacks, a cause fumble, another pick. So I just like the big plays. I think it, my career, I look back and um, the games where I'm most satisfied with are the games where I made the big plays and, and not just one, but stack them up the whole game long. 
and, and I have to ask you, um, looks like the Bears are going to be headed to Arlington Heights in the next few years. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, you spent your whole career patrolling Soldier Field. I don't know what you thought of the turf or not when, when you were when you were playing on it. But I didn't care. <laughs> it didn't bother me that much. What's your thoughts on them leaving? I mean, they've, that's been their home for 50 years, you know, Wrigley Field before that. What's your yeah. thoughts about them going out to the suburbs and potentially being in a dome? Kind of mixed. I don't like the dome part. I'll tell you that much, Bill. I don't like the Bears playing in a dome at home. You, you like you know? the bear weather. Well, it's one of the few advantages you have of playing in Chicago as home field. You know, the weather in November or later could be terrible. So you kind of plan on that. And it seems to come from the West Coast and down south. They do not like that weather. They don't. They can't prepare for it. They can't. No matter how many times you, you try and flex, it's there's nothing like that weather. Um, so I don't like that aspect of it. I understand they want to get a Super Bowl there and all this, but um, I, I think it's. I mean, it's, it makes sense for the Bears to, to do that. You know, the they don't own the rights to Soldier Field. You know, I don't know what they'll call it in Arlington Heights. It's going to be kind of weird to have it called something else. I think, but um, financially, I think it makes a ton of sense for them to do, to do that to do this. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, they're they're talking about trying to bring in Super Bowls and championship games and Final Fours. It's a lot of money for the city. It's stuff to for sure. No, I, I totally agree with that. And like I said, finance, you look at what uh, Jerry Jones has done in Dallas with that stadium. They get everything that they get. The concerts, they get everything at at uh, AT and T Stadium. So, man, who knows what the Bears do something like that? I know one thing. I don't really want to be in February in, or in Chicago in February personally because it's negative ten, negative fifteen. So, <laughs> the Super the Super Bowl pitch to me doesn't really work because it's freezing there anyway. Uh, I'll, I'll finish with this Packer week. Does yeah. players get into it as much as the fans? It is exciting. I'll say this. So, so when I playing for Lovey, it was a huge deal. Lovey made sure right away that he, we were going to understand it's Packer week. Our number one goal was to beat the Packers twice. That was our goal when he came in there. He made sure that was known and um, it's different. And there's more media in the locker room. There's more, uh, more, a little more, it's a little added sense of urgency because it is the Packers. So they're so close to us. So we, we see all the media coming out of there. I'm sure you see it coming out of Chicago as well. So it is a little added uh, intensity right there. All right. So there he is, everyone. Brian Erlacher on behalf of PXG Golf Equipment. You can check out the retail locations in Northbrook and Oakbrook Terrace and make sure you check out his YouTube uh, playing around with Rob Riggle episode three. It's Jay Feely, Brian Erlacher and Rob Riggle. Brian, thanks for so much time. Really enjoy thanks, it. Bill. Take care. Take care, brother. There he is. Brian Erlacher, everybody. Hope you enjoyed that one. Brian's getting Brian has opinions. I, I, I really enjoyed that. That's the first time I've had a chance to talk to him on, on any level, honestly. You know, never never had a chance to interact with him before. And and that was, that was a good interview. He gave you a lot of good opinions. And, um, you know, hey, uh, when you get a chance to talk to one of the Chicago Bears all-time greats, probably one of the top five players maybe in Chicago Bears history, you, you absolutely have a chance to do that. Enjoyed that one right there. But, you know, as we finish that interview, it is Packers week. And, and this is really a game that I'm looking forward to, not just because it's Packers week, because, you know, you, it's part of you almost, you know, lately, the last 15 years, you kind of dread Packers week with how much Aaron Rodgers has, uh, has dominated the Chicago Bears here. But, but for me, you know, and I talked about it a little bit at the, the, the top of the show, you know, am I excited they're one and I'm beat a very good San Francisco 49ers team? Absolutely. But th- there were some, you know, things in that game whether you want to talk about the conditions and the inconsistent play, you know, that, that, that it still left me with questions, right? Left me with questions about exactly how good this team is. And, you know, 
you know, in terms of really proving the doubters. And look, you know me, I was I was a doubter here all, all off season long, you know, prove, proving, you know, that this team is better than what a lot of people expected in the off season. Really have to see what they're going to do here at Lambeau against Green Bay. Now, do they need to win this game? No, they don't need to win this game to prove that they are a, a much better team. But what, what you need to see is you need to see it competitive and, and you need to see this game really go into the fourth quarter as a coin flip game. That happens, then we can start to sit there and say, okay, you know, the Green Bay Packers, you know, they they have holes. Absolutely they have holes, but you should, most team people would consider them one of the top five teams in the NFC, top three teams in the NFC. So if you can compete with them on their home field, even if you end up losing the game by three or four points, but it was anybody's game with eight minutes to go in the fourth quarter, that's okay with me. That's, that, that's the kind of progress I need to see. Again, I'm not cheering for a close loss. I want to see them go into Lambeau and take down Aaron Rodgers and the Packers and really put, you know, make an exclamation point that this team was underrated and this team can turn some heads this season. Not next season when they have money to spend, but this season. Uh, a game against Green Bay here is the type of game that, that they need to really show themselves on national TV. So you're going to have all these national, you know, these national media, you know, sports media analysts. This is not a game that they're going to box score hunt and see that Justin Fields on the box score against San Francisco had a bad game. This is a game that they are going to watch from start to finish, and they are going to make opinions on Justin Fields and on this team based on how they play against the Packers because that's what they're going to see on the primetime stage. And, and that's what happened a lot with the Mitch Trubisky Bears, and I think that's where a lot of Bears fans got frustrated with the media narrative was the Bears for the most part, except in, in you know, 2018, for the most part, they didn't play well. The, the Matt Nagy, Mitch Trubisky combo, they did not play well on national television. So all those other games that they have managed, managed to win that were noon Chicago time starts, the national media wasn't watching that game. So when they sit there on ESPN in the morning and, and, and FS1 or, or wherever you're listening, wherever you're watching, and they sit there and crap on the Bears, it's because of the, the games they watch on primetime TV where Mitch Trubisky looked bad or the offense looked bad, and, and those are the narratives that they're establishing. So, you know, if you want a better narrative with the Chicago Bears, they need to play well against the Packers. They don't need to beat the Packers, but they need to play well. Justin Fields needs to stack four quarters of competitive football. The defense needs to continue how it played last week. The offensive line needs to play like how it did in the second half. That's what you need to see. And if you see that, you're going to see the national media narrative change. And, you know, is national media always always correct? No, obviously they're not. You know, the local media is going to be the one that's a lot more tuned in to the team and going to understand a lot more about what's going on with the team. But when you don't perform well on the national stage, that's when you're going to start getting crapped on by the media. And that's what the Bears have done the last few years, especially. You go look at their primetime games. Most of the time they lose and most of the time they lose ugly. And when that happens... That's not going to do well for your the, the way your franchise is, is, is depicted. And again, does it matter what the national narrative is? No, of course not. But I see a lot of people on social media getting really annoyed with how the Bears, you know, are, are discussed on the national stage. So until the Bears start proving their, you know, pro proving their ability on the national stage, it, it doesn't matter how they, they look on the games where there's only a, it's a regional game and not a lot of people are watching it. That's how 
the media is going to change their views on the Bears. So, you know, when, when it comes to this game here on Sunday, you know, look, it's going to be, it, it's a tough game to pick the Bears to win, to win outright. Can the Bears cover the spread? I certainly hope so. But I'm one of those that's going to, that I need to be proven wrong. I don't, I don't jump. So I still think the Bears aren't quite there. And again, and I understand how bad Green Bay looked in week one. I'm not discounting that at all. But I will say that usually when Aaron Rodgers puts up that kind of a dud, he usually comes with the thunder the next week. So uh, when when you line up that he, he loves destroying the Chicago Bears, when you line up that he usually bounces back in epic proportions at when he has awful games like that, I think there is a good chance that Green Bay has their way with the Bears. So I'll say it's, you know, I'll stick with it. I'll say it's going to be about a 10-point loss. I'll call it 27 to 16 Green Bay. Uh, we'll, we'll go 11 points here. And again, I want to be proven wrong. So, so far on the season, I am 0-1 in picking, picking winners. I picked San Francisco in week one. I'm picking Green Bay in week two. Prove me wrong, Chicago Bears. I would love love to be eating crow of every criticism I had dating back to March. I would love to just have my foot inserted in my mouth on next week's podcast because the Chicago Bears are 2-0 and just beat the Packers in Lambeau Field. Do it, Chicago Bears. Make me eat crow. That's going to do it for Bears banter. We'll talk to you next week. Adios, everybody. Bear down. See you then.